next Christmas carol, page one, he rescues me. And in page 22, one scarred hand, Christmas carols all three. I like it response. So I 
tale of Christmas and God is still saving sinners. Grab your hymn book, stand to your feet. Let's all stand together this morning. Brother Ken, come lead us as we make a joyful sound. Brother Ken. Amen. Page 423 in your blue songbook this morning. We'll sing Joy to the World. We'll do the first, second, and last verse this morning. Page number 423. Joy to the world. If you're glad to be in God's house, say amen. amen. If you're glad that we don't have 18 inches of snow this Sunday, say amen. amen. <laughs> Thank you for being here. I thought Ken was going to shout right there. Thank you for being here. We're honored by your presence today. Dad, I'm going to ask you to make your way to the platform, if you will, and lead us to the throne room of grace this morning. While Dad's coming, I'll remind you to please be praying for uh, uh, Sister Alice and the home going of her sister. Arrangements are this Tuesday uh, at Wright's Funeral Home. You pray for her, if you would. Pray for our drama. We're celebrating the fact that we had souls saved here last night. We praise the Lord for that. That's why we do it. Amen. Thank you. We're looking forward to tonight. Uh, uh, God will bless, and we ask them to have his way. But pray for the services today. Uh, we're here to receive a blessing. Daddy, you take us to the throne room of grace. Let's join Dad this morning. Let's bow our hands today. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning. We're truly grateful, Father, that we can come out to your house this morning. Father, it is so good to hear that uh, three individuals came down to receive your precious son as their Savior last night. Father, we want you to bless the play. Let it continue to be beneficial to the community and more souls be reached for the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, as we go into the service today, we want to remember each request that was come up to you, especially the Campbell family that lost their loved ones, Father. And Lord, we thank you that the church is just about full this morning, as it should be, Father. We pray that your blessings will be upon this congregation, upon the choir, and most of all, the preaching of thy word. Let it go out and reach people. Let it be a blessing to them, Father, and we'll give you the praise and the glory for asking Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dad. You all may be seated. You pray for the choir this morning. A beautiful, beautiful kind of song. He rescues me. I hope it blesses your heart. Sing it. Closer and closer, he 
Or I'll do one more for you this morning. I'm glad that in our weakest hours, no matter what we face, we've got a one scarred hand that'll lead us every step of the way. Probably my favorite song Kyle has ever written. I hope it blesses your heart. One scarred hand.
so much choir boy I like I like what my dad said I like looking out across the church on a Sunday morning and uh, seeing the house of God full I appreciate you being here uh, before we do some announcements I want to do one recognition been wanting to do it for a couple of weeks and haven't been able to brother and sister Sheeler would you all stand brother and sister Sheeler stand up for me y'all recently celebrated an anniversary how many years have y'all been married now 68 years isn't that awesome that's awesome Amen. <clears throat> Mrs. Sheeler, do you reckon after 68 years he's a keeper? Yeah, okay, all right. <clears throat> Amen. 
All right, let me give you some quick announcements now this morning. Again, I want to say thank you to everybody for your help this past weekend. I know things were a little bit hectic and crazy and uh, changing everything around because of last week's snowstorm, but we certainly appreciate everyone helping us out, uh, getting things ready for this weekend, and uh, God has marvelously blessed us. We thank him so much for what he's done in, in, in this capacity. Just a reminder that next Sunday morning, uh, December the 23rd, during the Sunday school hour, we'll be downstairs uh, uh, celebrating the shower for Cameron and Courtney uh, for their baby boy. Cam uh, Courtney is registered at Target and Amazon. All the Sunday school classes are invited. We invite you to bring your favorite uh, uh, breakfast dish uh, in addition to a gift for the baby. We'll keep you posted on that, but that starts at 945. We're also looking for parking lot assistance tonight. Thank you for those that helped us last night and the night before. If you can help us tonight, you need to be here at 5 o'clock. We anticipate quite a crowd tonight. We've got several churches that are moving their evening service is over. So if you're planning on coming tonight, we want you to get here early to get yourself a seat. I will tell you, uh, it's been, I guess, I guess, three years ago. I don't think we'll have it tonight, but uh, three years ago, we packed 400 people in this 300-person auditorium, and I was praying the whole time that the fire marshal would not show up even if he was not saved. But anyway, uh, uh, get here early and get yourself a good seat. We'll have a good time tonight. A reminder also that uh, our 2019 tithing envelopes are here. You can see Brother Scott, Miss Teresa to pick those up. And then also a reminder of the watch night service coming up at Wayside Baptist on December the 31st. Services begin at 7.30 p.m. that Monday night. They serve breakfast at midnight. Uh, you don't start your diet until January the 1st, uh, and so uh, you'll have a good time if you can join us that night on Monday, December the 31st. This coming Wednesday is the final Awana for this year. Of course, we'll crank up again on January the 9th, and then we've got our other special announcements in there regarding uh, uh, upcoming services. And then I want to remind folks, if you are utilizing the new parking lot, make sure that you realize that that is a one-way. Please don't go out that direction. Go out this direction like you're heading out down 220 if you utilize the new parking lot. All right, let's get all the little ones. Everybody that's heading to Children's Church and Junior Church, uh, I hope you saved your pennies for two weeks. Come on, make your way down. All the little ones, Junior Church, Children's Church, come quickly, quickly. They're going to come around, collect any loose change you got. We call this our penny march. Take off, young folks.
Church. Come on, quickly now. of Children's Church and Junior Church, I have a bit of bad news to share with you. They're having a Christmas party today. I asked Lydia, I said, what are y'all serving? She said, hot chocolate, cupcakes, cookies, any sugar we can find, then we give them back. Amen. So if they come out in a sugar coma, it's the church's fault. Amen. Fellas, come on and make your way down. Mr. and Ms. Roy, you all come get ready to sing for us. Uh, you be obedient unto the Lord with his tithes and your offerings. Get me two mics there, buddy. And God will richly bless you for that. Come up here, if you would, my friend. I want you to look, come, no, no, right, yeah, come here, preacher. I want you to, yes, sir, Rob, had to think for a second what your name was. <clears throat> I want you to lead us to the throne of grace in prayer. A lot of you know Brother Mark Helms' daughter. Come on up here, preacher. Uh, what you may not know is his son-in-law is a missionary from England, and he and his wife are heading to England. And uh, I had a privilege of having a small part in their wedding ceremony. How long ago? Five years ago. Get out of here. Wow. All right, but I want him to take us to the throne of grace and ask God's blessings upon the offering and the service today. Rob, pray for us, buddy. We have a Father God, we want to thank you. We want to praise you, Lord, for being able to come to your house and worship you in spirit and truth, God. God, we want to thank you, Lord, for this church, Lord, and the pillar of the community that it is. God, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for those precious souls that got wonderfully born again last yeah, night. We thank you. Thank you, Lord, that the angels have a new song up in heaven. And God, we just want to pray, Lord, for the tithes and offerings this morning. We pray, Lord, you'll bless those that have to give and those that have not to give. God, for the fervence of thy kingdom. God, we ask the, uh, that you'll be with uh, the preacher as he stands and gives us the words that we so desperately uh, need this morning. Yeah. And God, we ask these things in the precious, the holy, the most sweet and wonderful name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. I'll bear your head. 
than I did yesterday. Mountains are higher, rivers are wider. I need you more today than I did yesterday. Help me remember, I need you more face the day let me feel your gentle hands leading the way yesterday has come and gone with those trials far behind but I'm ever learning Lord and every day I find I need you more than I did yesterday. Mountains are higher, rivers are wider. I need you more today than I did yesterday. Help me remember, I need you more Them's got that Ricky Skaggs twang going on. I like, don't y'all act like you don't know who I'm talking about, you heathens. Real quickly, before we have a song of fellowship, I uh, found a bank card out in the parking lot uh, uh, this morning. Uh, the name on it is Glenda Wilson. So if you know who Glenda is, it's not Kyla's Glenda Wilson that we already checked with her. If you know Glenda Wilson, uh, let her know that we've got her bank card. And for reasons you probably understand, we're going to ask for ID before we turn this over to somebody. So if you know who that is, please let them know I've got it. Brother, Brother Ken. Amen. Let's all stand together one more time. Page 429, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We'll do that first verse, have a time of fellowship. Page 429. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Amen. Fellowship a while.
Church. Turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, please. Chapter number one. Matthew, please. Chapter number one. Matthew chapter number one. We will begin reading in verse number 18 this morning. And we will read down through verse number 25. While you're turning there, put a little smile on your face. Next week, Lord willing, I'll be preaching about the individuals that we refer to as the wise men and why we call them that, what they reference, what they mean, their journey. But I came across something this past week that I think all the ladies might enjoy. This is how the story would have been different if they had been three wise women. I won't get an amen out of her all day long. See, if there had been three wise women, let me, let me preface this by, by saying, you understand that though the wise men typically appear in what we think of as nativity scenes, in all likelihood, they didn't arrive until some two years after the birth of Christ. The star appeared in the east. They followed that star. Scholars are in pretty universal agreement that would have taken them at least two years to get there. That's the reason Herod ordered the execution of not just babies, but everyone under the age of two. So it took them about 18 months to two years to get there. So this is what one author says. If there had been three wise women, first of all, they would not have arrived late. I don't believe that in one little bit. <laughs> they would have stopped and asked for directions. They would have arrived in time to help deliver the baby. They would have cleaned the stable instead of standing there ooing over the baby. They would have brought disposable diapers as a gift instead of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And all three of them would have showed up with a covered dish casserole. Amen. <laughs> and then a buddy of mine sent me this, a preacher buddy. He said, your church will like this. I think you will. This is called the optimist versus the pessimist. Family had twin boys whose only resemblance to one another was their appearance. Opposite in every way, one of them was an eternal optimist, always seeing the bright side. The other was a gloom and doom pessimist, cup always half empty. Just to see what would happen, one Christmas day, their father loaded the pessimist's room with all kinds of toys and games. The optimist's room he loaded with horse manure. That night, the father passed by the pessimist room and found him sitting amid his new gifts, crying bitterly. Why are you crying? The father asked. Because my friends will be jealous. I have to read all these instructions uh, before I can do it. These things need batteries, and all of them will eventually get broken, answered the pessimist twin. Passing the optimist's twin room where all the horse manure was, the father found him dancing for joy in the middle of the room. What are you so happy about, the father asked. To which the optimist twin replied, with all of this stuff around, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. <laughs> Matthew chapter 1, please, verse 18. If you found your place, say Amen. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused 
to Joseph. Before they came together, I'd encourage you to underline that in your Bible. That's so important. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. That's important too, by the way. I'll pause a moment and say, if Jesus was not virgin born, then he cannot be our Messiah. Why does that matter? Every year at this time, I uh, get very amused when I listen to uh, 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 public commentaries and uh, non-believers talk about how Jesus uh, did not have to be virgin born, how he could have been the son of Joseph, uh, how he could have been the son of a Roman soldier is another theory. Would you listen to me very carefully? If he's not virgin born, then he is not the son of God. And if he's not the son of God, his crucifixion means nothing because his blood is tainted blood. But can we pause a moment and say, hallelujah, his blood is royal blood, virgin born. Let's keep reading. Verse 19. Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. When he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. He shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. I hope you've got a Bible that has that Jesus in all capital letters. That means it's divine. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying behold a virgin shall conceive shall bring forth a son they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife, and knew her not. Notice this, church. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he, that's Joseph, called his name Jesus. Father, thank you for this passage, this reminder this morning that our Savior is indeed the Son of God, virgin-born, virgin-conceived, Lord, brought into this world by the power of the Holy Ghost of God. Lord, otherwise his death would have been of no consequence. His crucifixion would have been of no matter. But because his blood is royal blood, we can boldly say that we serve a risen Savior. Lord, I pray that you take the simple outline that I believe you've laid upon my heart today. Lord, help us pause just a moment from the busyness of the holiday season and celebrate uh, the beautiful story that is the Christ of Christmas. Lord, thank you for the soul saved last night. If there's anyone here today that has never been gloriously born again, I pray that today would be the day and this hour would be the hour that you would convict their heart through the power of the Holy Ghost. Draw them unto yourself. We'll praise you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. A lot of us, I think, agree that holidays are a wonderful time of year. For a lot of folks, holidays can be a discouraging time of year, a depressing time of year. 
when you've had to bury loved ones, when, when you are seemingly uh, not surrounded by individuals, it can be a little bit discouraging. But one of the things that I often find celebrated uh, during the holiday season are all the characters associated with the nativity. We always talk about the Virgin Mary, and surely we highlight her in our own production. We talk about the shepherd. We talk about the fact who, who the wise men, who I mentioned, did not even show up perhaps for some two years, but we often talk about them in association with the nativity. Even the sheeps and the donkeys and the animals that are in the stable uh, seem to get lots of celebration, but there is a character that I always cherish preaching about at Christmas time because, candidly, he gets very little love. We don't talk a lot about Joseph. We always talk about how God chose Mary to be the mother of Christ, but would you listen? God also chose Joseph to raise his only son. God surely saw something in Mary uh, that made her different, that made her unique, that made her special, uh, that made her the one throughout the ages of humanity uh, through which God would say, I am going to, imp- to use her uh, through the power of the Holy Ghost to give birth to the Son of God. But you understand that as a boy, as a young man, as a carpenter, G- Jesus would need an earthly father. Jesus would need someone who could mold him into manhood, uh, someone who could help rear him to become an adult. Uh, Understand that our pages do not have lots of examples of Joseph. In fact, we see Joseph at the birth of Christ. We see Joseph when Jesus was 12 years old, uh, teaching in the temple, and then he vanishes from the narrative. He's not at Calvary. He's not at the miracles. He's not at the resurrection. Mary is there. The mother of Christ is there, but Joseph disappears. Scholars believe that perhaps, perhaps Joseph died sometime between age 12 of Jesus and age 30 when he started his earthly ministry. Sometime during that 18-year gap, Joseph possibly passes away because you understand that he would have probably been engaged in the ministry of Christ, for he also knew that Jesus was the Son of God. But he wasn't there. He wasn't there. We always celebrate Mary, and justifiably so. But I want to pause a few moments, as I often do at this time of year, and I want to talk to you just a little bit about Joseph. Because to me, Joseph is an example of godly manhood. And I'm going to be a little politically incorrect for just a moment. Somehow in modern society, we have somehow denigrated the concept of masculinity and manhood. What a tragedy, church. What a tragedy. Joseph is an example of a godly man following the voice of God, leading his family in a godly direction, just as Mary was the woman that God chose to bring forth the Son of God. Joseph is the man that God chose to raise, the Son of God. So I'm going to give you a message this morning that I'm entitling, The Man God Chose to Raise His Son. The man God chose to raise his son. Four elements that I want us to look at this morning. Four points of the message. Number one, I want you to note with me the discovery. The discovery. Verse 18 makes this very clear that in Joseph's mind, this story starts out wonderfully, but in his mind is about to become a tragedy. You see, verse 18 makes it clear that when Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, you see, this was unquestionably a time of excitement. A time of excitement. 
to put this in our vernacular, in our language, Mary and Joseph were engaged. They were espoused to one another. That means they had been promised to one another. And undoubtedly, Joseph was busy doing the potential groom's part of preparing the home, getting it ready, doing everything he needed to do. Mary was doing the things, learning what she needed to learn to make him a good wife. This is what is referred to as the betrothal period, and it's an ancient Hebrew engagement period. They were not married. They were not living together. But understand, because they were betrothed to one another, this was in Hebrew views as combining as a marriage this was as binding as a marriage this is not the message this morning but I'll pause you understand that Jesus is the bridegroom and we are the bride if you're born again we're waiting for the bridegroom to make the sound that he's coming to receive the bride we're in the betrothal period right now church We've been promised to the bride. We're part of the bride of Christ. We're waiting for his return to come and bring us home. We're in the betrothal period. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of joy. It's a time of excitement for Mary and Joseph. But what was a time of excitement transitioned into a time of embarrassment. A time of embarrassment. Why? Verse 18 makes it very clear. She was found with child. Now we know what Joseph doesn't know. We know that she has been overshadowed by an angel. We know that the Holy Spirit has implanted in her uh, the seed of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We know that she's still a virgin, but would you hear me? Joseph doesn't know that. All Joseph knows is that his wife is pregnant and he hasn't laid hand on her listen now all Joseph knows is that he's kept himself pure but his bride-to-be is not all Joseph knows is he's done what he's supposed to do but his bride-to-be has committed what is in Hebrew eyes the ultimate betrayal there is nothing worse in Joseph's eyes that Mary could have done to him to humiliate him, to embarrass him, or to demasculate him than do what he thinks she has done. This was a time of joy, time of celebration. Plans were being made, the wedding preparations being taken care of, and now it's a time of tragedy. You don't have to raise your hands But some of you understand exactly what I mean when I say there are instances in our life where everything turns around. There are instances in our Christian life where one piece of information, one phone call, one conversation, one letter, one text message turns everything around. Making plans, making preparations, uh, putting your life out in front of you. uh, And that one call, that one conversation turns everything upside down. uh, And what was a time of celebration becomes a time of, oh my, how are we going to manage this? Can I pause a moment and say something to all the dads, to all the moms? Your children will remember how you react in times of crisis. Those around you will remember how you act in times of crisis. Let me give it to you another way. Our Christian character is not defined about how we conduct ourselves when everything is great, grand, and groovy. 
Our Christian character is defined how we conduct ourselves when everything is far from great, grand, and groovy. Number one this morning. Notice with me the discovery. Jump now to verse number 19. Because I want to talk to you about the deliberation. This is how we quickly know that Joseph was a godly man. Notice what it says in verse number 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a, what's that word, church? Just man. (laughs) I heard one commentator say, what that really means is he's just a man. No, that's not what it means. What it means is that he was a godly man man, a just man. We're about to experience what I think is the true character of Joseph. May I be candid? I'm not sure I could have done what Joseph did. May I say to you this morning that when it refers to the fact that he is a just man, he's about to establish himself and show the character of the man he is. And hear me, I think his reaction, in fact, I'm going to prove this to you in just a moment, I think it is his reaction to have this crisis that indicates he's the reason God chose him. I believe, this is Gregology, I believe that how Joseph handles this ultimate crisis, we see why God chose him to be the father of Jesus, the earthly father. Because when you see his character, it is quickly referencing now his choices. It says being a just man, notice with me verse 19, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example. He decided to do something that we don't talk about much anymore. It is not something in our vocabulary. Put her away privily. Let me, let me take just a moment and share with you what Joseph's choices were. In this day and age, if the, if the fiancés are, are, are engaged, the boy and the girl are engaged, and something happens, they end the engagement, that's the end of it, and both move on. It's not the case in this circumstance. Joseph has got three choices. Number one, Joseph can make her a public example. Now, we don't like to talk about this, but you can go back. In fact, I was going to do it, but it's pretty difficult to read. I encourage you to go home this afternoon or this week and read Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 13 through 21. It will show you specifically how Joseph has the option of taking Mary back to her mother and father, and saying, she's impregnated, she's with child, I didn't do it, uh, and the father leads the stoning. That's his first option. That was his first option, to make her a public example. The second option is he can have written a writ of divorcement. You say, wait a minute, preacher, they weren't married. Remind her uh, that an engagement, a betrothal, is in Jewish society as binding as, an, as a marriage. Uh, so you don't just walk away. There has to be a priest-approved or, or a rabbi-approved writ of divorcement uh, that allows this couple to separate. Joseph will have his case made easily. She's with child. He can make a writ of divorcement and walk away. Or third... He can marry her and raise the child as his own. Let me pause a moment and tell you this. No self-respecting Jewish male would choose option three. I know that doesn't sit with us in our modern society, but you have to understand that we are still under the age of the law. 
The age of grace, the church age, does not begin until Jesus says it is finished on the cross of Calvary. We are still, the Jews are still living under the law, and the law is pretty clear. So Joseph really has two choices. Does he embarrass her? Does he have her stoned? Does he make her a private example? Or does he, quote unquote, divorce her and put her away privately? Well, you know the story already. And I say again that the indication of what Joseph chooses shows what a character he had. Can I pause a moment and say this? I think you'll understand what I'm about to say. Joseph doesn't have a good option. Joseph doesn't have a good choice. And I want to pause and be very clear here. For the child of God, circumstances, trials, storms of our life often present us with times where there are not good options where there are not good choices. One of the greatest lies that's perpetrated in the Christian community today is this idea that if you love God enough, if you serve God faithfully enough, if you do enough good deeds, you won't have any problems. That's just a lie, church. In fact, I'm of the mindset, the closer you try to live for God, the bigger the bullseye gets on your back. Satan can't have your soul, so he wants to rob you of the joy of your salvation. He'll do everything to stop you from serving God. So notice what was very clearly this morning, his character, his choices, becomes his compassion. You know what Joseph chose. He chooses to put her away privily. He chooses to not humiliate her. I I hope you'll amen me what I'm about to say. That's a sign of manhood. Mary had hurt him deeply. You understand, church, we know why she's pregnant, but he doesn't. There is nothing, please hear me on this, there is nothing that Mary could have done in his mind that that would have hurt him more than this. And he was well within his rights to say, kill her. But his compassion overrode his rage. And he decided to put her away privily. Can I pause a moment and say something to all the fellas? Manhood is not defined about how much you can bench press. Manhood is not defined about how loud you can scream. Manhood is not defined about the rage. Manhood is defined by godly leadership. I like that so much I want to say it again. We have a dearth of it in society today. We have an absence of it in homes today. Manhood, fatherhood is defined by the compassion that we share our family and follow the leadership of God. That's Christian manhood. Christian fatherhood. What an example Joseph is. Go with me this morning. We have number one, the discovery. Number two, the deliberation. Number three, the declaration. I have all these aha moments when I study for Scripture, when I study to preach, and I always get amazed that an aha moment comes over in a passage that I've read thousands of times and preached out of by my own records at least six times in the last 17 and a half years. I've preached from this passage at least six times by my own records. But I had an aha moment this past week. You know, this whole thing would have been so much easier If God sent the angel to Joseph, at the same time he sent the angel to Mary. 
about this, church. We could have avoided all of this foolishness. Joseph wouldn't have been hurt. He wouldn't have had to make this God-awful decision. He would not have inflicted on himself the pain or taken the pain that Mary brought upon him. All of this would have been easily settled if when Gabriel came to Mary, God sent an angel to Joseph and said, oh, by the way. But he didn't. Gregology. I think he waited to see how Joseph would handle this before he said, I've got the answer. I want to I I let that ruminate for a second. Would you hear me? Oftentimes we, we associate every bad thing that happens in our life with a ploy of the enemy and something from Satan designed to deride us. Don't misunderstand me. He will try to deride you. He will try to steal the joy of your salvation. But hear me. I believe all my heart. Uh, God oftentimes will send obstacles in our life, uh, not to us to stumble uh, so that we become more like him. And depending on how we handle those situations is the answer that comes. You, you understand that in Job, God says that he'll come forth like gold. In order for gold to become gold, it's got to be heated up so that the dross rises to the top. And I believe oftentimes God allows these things to come into our life to heat us up so that the dross rises to the top so that he can take his Holy Ghost ladle, scoop it out, and when he looks over into the pot, he sees the image of his son. Joseph gets the answer he needs only, only after he displays godly manhood. Notice, I know you know the story, but let's look at it together. There was a divine providence. Verse 20 makes this very clear. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Oh, there's the answer. How much easier this would have been if God gave that answer a couple of weeks ago. How much easier this would have been if God had given that solution before Mary had to come to him. But God's timing is always perfect. May I be blunt? I don't always like God's timing. You know why? Because it ain't my timing. And don't look at me so pious. Some of y'all understand what I'm talking about. I would prefer things to be done my way on my schedule. But God don't operate like that. God's plans are always right. His ways are always higher. His thoughts are always better. And one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn as one of his children is to wait on Notice what happens. The story is very clear. This divine providence is such that Joseph is informed that he doesn't have to worry. He doesn't have to fret. That indeed Mary is pure. That she has not committed what is in Jewish minds adultery on him. That she is still virgin. She is still untouched. Divine providence quickly becomes divine provisions. Read verse 21 with me. Powerful verse. She brought forth a son. She shall bring forth a son. And notice now, who is the angel speaking to? Joseph. Joseph. He's not speaking to Mary. Let me, let, me, let me make you angry, ladies. In Jewish society, 
It was daddy that named the boys. In fact, daddy named the children. Mama had a bit of an input. And by the way, that's the reason that so many last names in America, surnames, end in S-O-N. Jacobson was Jacob's son. Philipson was Philip's son. It could be like Josh Richardson, Josh, the son of Richard, Richard's son. That's the reason so many of our last names end that way. They were the son of that person and came down through English language as the son of, translated to Richardson, Philipson, Jackson, whatever. In Hebrew society, there was no surname. So he would be known as Jesus, the son of Joseph. But typically, the boys would be named after somebody in the family. A grandfather, a great-grandfather, an ancestor. I challenge you to go back and read the lineage of Jesus. You will not find Jesus' name anywhere in there. The angel tells Joseph, call him Jesus. Why? To most folks, that's just a name. But in God's eyes... It's his son. And the name means Jehovah is salvation. Let me say that again. So the very second that this child is born and Joseph says his name is Jesus, everybody's head would snap to attention because it means that Jehovah has come to save. An unusual name. Strange name. But you understand that this message is clear. God is alive and well. Verse 22. All this was done that it might be fulfilled. That which was spoken by the Lord, of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted is God with us. Finally this morning, quickly. Number one, the discovery. Two, the declaration. Excuse me, two, the deliberation, three, the declaration, and finally, number four, the decision. There is obviously a time gap between the next verse. There is obviously much that happens between verse 23 and 24 and 25. We don't know how far along in the pregnancy Mary was when the angel appeared to Jesus. Perhaps she was just a few weeks pregnant by all accounts. So now we leap ahead to the time of Jesus' birth. You read this in juxtaposition with Luke. You understand that they're now in Bethlehem having to travel there because of the taxation. They come to a place, uh, the city is mobbed uh, because everyone has to return to the land of their ancestors. Uh, the hotels, if we, to use our vernacular, are full. Uh, there's nowhere for anyone to stay. Uh, the Mary and Joseph arrive late. Uh, she is in labor. She gives birth in a barn. Can I let, I know we know this, but can I say it again? The son of the God of the universe is being born in a barn. There's no nurse that we know of. There's no midwife. There's a stable. We... We take this story and we make it so pretty. We talk about the swaddling clothes and the manger as if those were baby garments. You know what a manger is, folks? It's an animal feeding trough. 
It's where the hogs were slopped. I'm between the lines here. This is the first time, obviously, that Mary's given birth. The only one she's with is her husband, Joseph. And I doubt either one of them knew a whole lot about giving birth to babies. I have no doubt the woman is exhausted after giving birth, uh, as every lady in here that's a mother understands. Uh, And Joseph doesn't know what to do with this. Uh, They didn't come prepared. So he looks over to what is literally strips of a gunny sack. And he wraps his baby, cleaning it up the best he can, and lays it in a feeding trough. Why? Perhaps he needed to take care of his wife. Perhaps she needed his attention. So now, God has spoken his son into existence. The one who could have been born into the ivory palaces of Rome. Laid in a feeding trough. Wrapped up in strips of gunny sack. Notice the last part of this and we're done. Scripture makes it very clear. Joseph being raised from the sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And knew her not till she brought forth her firstborn son. He called his name Jesus. I'm done with these two thoughts. Please notice with me that by taking Mary as his wife, he takes Mary's shame. That doesn't resonate in 21st century America. It doesn't resonate today. But you understand that there was no way to conceal Mary's bulging belly. She's pregnant. And I cannot tell you, because no scripture doesn't note it, but I can guarantee you there were a whole lot of Jewish women trying to count up to nine. Don't look at me cockeyed. You know what I'm talking about. When Joseph and Mary have a quote-unquote shotgun wedding, the date is yet to be announced or is far out in the future, and they decide, nope, we're going to do it now, and then lo and behold, she's expecting. There's a lot of Jewish women out there, I guarantee, that say, I know why that happened. And everybody would have assumed that that baby is Joseph's. You see, now what was Mary's shame become Joseph's shame. Pause a moment. Another example of godly manhood right there. Another example of godly masculinity uh, to take upon himself the shame of his wife, uh, to endure uh, whatever throngs were thrown uh, would come to him. And then the baby's born. And what did Joseph do? Exactly what God told him to do. Call his name Jesus. Why? He shall save his people from their sins. Jesus, what a wonderful name. Listen, I'm done. Mary, what an example of godly womanhood. I think one of the most beautiful passages in the New Testament, Gregology, one of the most beautiful passages in the New Testament, it is referred to as the Magnificat. It is the words, the song, the praise, the anthem that Mary, this 13, 14-year-old girl, sings when she finds out that she's the chosen vessel. She bursts forth in a song that is breathtaking. Example of godly motherhood. We don't ever talk about him. Joseph, an example of godly manhood.
Stand to your feet this morning. Our flesh, when we're faced with these circumstances, says, God, this is too hard. I cannot handle this. But faith says, God, this is so hard. I'm resting on you to help me handle this. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Two very quick questions. I'll not be long this morning. You've been so kind. Number one, Pastor Greg, either myself or someone in my family, we're facing one of those difficult circumstances where there doesn't seem to be an easy answer. Pray for us. Would you just put your hand up quickly this morning so I can pray? Boy, I'm seeing a lot of hands right now. Thank you for your kindness. Thank your honesty. You can put them down. Before Brother Ken sings a note, may I encourage you, why don't you step out right now? Why don't you just make your way to this altar right now? Come on. Folks, if I step out, somebody will see. Who cares? Let them see. You're facing something that you don't know the solution. Step out right now. Bring it to this altar. I want to ask you a second question. Number two, Pastor Greg, I know about Jesus, but I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I've never been born again. If I died today, I'm not sure heaven would be my home. Is there anyone like that? I'm not going to embarrass, but I want to pray. Anyone like that? Pastor, pray for me. I need to be saved. Father, bless the invitation this morning. Thank you for the example that Joseph is, for the example that Mary is, and thank you for sending your only begotten Son into this world. Let's Brother Ken as he sings now in Christ's name. Ken, sing us an invitation verse. If you need to come, step out right now. Would you come this morning? Verse 25, I know you know this. We'll go, I'll let you go. Mary wasn't just a virgin when she conceived. She was a virgin when she gave birth. Verse 25 says, Joseph didn't lay a hand on her. For the entire six, seven, eight, nine months, ever how long this was, he never touched her. What a man. What a godly example. 
Brother Ken dismisses in prayer. Don't forget uh, 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 the ladies who are with us tonight at the drama. You need to be here a little bit earlier, 4.30ish. Am I saying that right, Miss Pam? Four, four for the ladies downstairs. Everybody by five ladies. We talked about that last night. Brother Ken dismisses in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we are thankful, Lord, for this day. Father, thank you for the message you brought through our pastor this morning. And I thank you for the godly example Joseph set for us all to live by. And Father, help us, Lord, to be mindful of our character and father how we handle situations especially when times get tough lord and father we do thank you god for jesus this morning father we praise you for that precious blood lord that was shed on calvary to cover the sins of the entire world father we do thank you lord for this message this morning god may you bless us as we go our ways father pray for services tonight and all those who may come god may hearts be encouraged may souls be saved father may we all draw closer to you it's in christ's name we do pray amen